Good morning, Pastor Danny. Good morning, Larry. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing really well. Thank it's you. It's been an amazing weekend. It's been a quite a weekend. <laughs> I was thinking of our all of our hundreds of volunteers this morning oh. who I think the question I asked most commonly to people as I walked around today was, did you sleep here last night or did you get a chance to go home exactly. and, and come back again? I feel that way too. I mean, <laughs> did you sleep it? here last night? Uh, almost. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just amazing. <laughs> but I'm so proud of everyone too. And what a beautiful, beautiful presentation of the gospel and boy, great job wrapping things up yesterday. Great That's job great. to you wrapping things up as well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We hope that you'll be a part of it. Before we hop into our teaching time this morning, I just want to remind everybody, we've been doing these special podcasts, and uh, we have a new one coming out actually today. It's downloaded onto your app. You should be able to access that right after the service this morning. And it, we kind of turned the tables. I interviewed Danny this week. Yes. And good job. That was really fun. I, I prefer to interview you than if in the hot seat. Yeah. You do a very good job. It was really, really, really fun. But anyway, check that out. It'll be a, a, a good way for you to kind of connect with some of the vision that Pastor Danny has as we're coming into this transition period, and, and it was a lot of fun. So stay tuned to that. And uh, yeah, it was a great, great, great time. Yeah, so that's on, that's on the app. And also, speaking of social media, we, we put something out there this week regarding this series that we're doing up here in this format and asked, hey, what questions might you all have? Um, and so a few of you asked some good questions. So we're going to take some time this morning to kind of give some answers to the questions that were asked there online. This week, be looking on social media, Facebook and Instagram both. We'll be putting up some prompts that we would love to connect with you next Sunday as we wrestle together through uh, what it means that Jesus is all of these different things that we're talking through in this cool. series. So look on social media for that. Yeah, and we've enjoyed this format. Personally, I think this has been a lot of fun. And uh, it's a little different way of preaching because it's conversational preaching, but we hope we're also bringing out declarative points because preaching is simply heralding or declaring the truths of God's word. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely be back into the more of the pulpit setting, one person preaching and exalting the name of Christ. But this has been fun. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So what, did we get anything out of the social media? <laughs> yeah, this two week? questions. And it seems like I planned this. I did not plan this. But the two questions that came up this week were great questions to recap where we've been. Okay. Um, so the first question was about the idea of God as wonderful counselor. The second one was about God as mighty God or about Jesus as mighty God. Okay. So the wonderful counselor question that came up for us is, how do you connect with Jesus as wonderful counselor in the midst of a hectic week? Wow. What does that look like for you, I yeah. guess, personally? Well, <laughs> it's not hectic for anyone, is it, out there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I think it starts, we've talked about it a little bit, but I think it's that intentionality piece. You know, like if you don't have an intentionality with connecting with the Lord on a daily basis, and what I mean by that is certainly having a time where you're alone with God in his word and you're, you're having a conversation with God, if that's not intentional in a daily way, then I don't think we're giving the Spirit of God a whole lot of resources to sort of catch our attention as we're going through those seasons or those hours of hecticness. I think there's also a way of just simply deciding through your day to do some check-ins. And I do that. I look at my schedule as I start my day and I say, you know, after that meeting, I'm going to need to just kind of take a minute and, uh, and check in with the Lord again. And so, you know, again, it starts with the intentionality of just meeting with the Lord. And because the Spirit of God lives within us, He's so good at just sort of getting our attention as we go through our day. But then there are times because of the frenetic pace we're in that we just need to hit the pause button, stop and say, Lord... Am I doing okay right now? Is my spirit right? Am I, you know, in line? I think those two things for me just really kind of help me keep connected. How about you? No, I, well, I was thinking while you were saying that of the of Forever Christmas that we got to experience this weekend, just the 
how great a job the, the script did. And, and one of the folks who's part of our church here wrote that script of helping us to kind of see ourselves in the scene of just being so busy and so connected and so going that we don't slow down and ask those big questions like in the, in the presentation, am I happy? Or am I reconciling with these people? Am I really living life that God would have me to live? And so um, I love that idea of that check-in moment where even scheduling that into your your calendar. And I I do a little bit of that too. I think I find that when I'm just going, 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 I just like burn out and go crazy. I got a a lot of flack last week for telling everyone that I'm an introvert in one of the services, and yet it's true. Uh, And so if I'm just talking and engaging and going, I need to schedule time to just hide and reconnect and recalibrate and connect to the Lord and then re-engage with awesome. the world again. And you know, you can do that too. Uh, I was thinking, sometimes we forget about discretionary time. Like when you're driving in your car, are you just listening to like talk radio or, or just the music that you like to listen to? Or would you just take those 10 minutes or if you're on the way to an appointment somewhere to say, I'm just going to talk to God about some things right now. Mm-hmm. And if you just plan those kinds of things into your day, it's a really cool way to just kind of have a, a full conversation or a full day conversation with the Lord. So mm-hmm. that good. might help. Yeah, what else? Next question is about mighty God. Uh, mm-hmm. question was, how, how do you encounter Jesus as mighty God in the midst of doubts when uh, you have doubts in life? Whoa, doubts. Anybody here have doubts this morning? <laughs> you know, we, have, we all have doubts. I, someone once told me, and I think it's a great statement, um, doubt is to faith what pain is to the body. Wow. And what that means is, you know, if you're doubting it probably means there's something alive. Pain to the body means you're alive, right? I mean, if you don't have pain, you're not alive. That's true. But pain reminds us that we're living beings and that we might have some kind of an issue going. So I think doubt is sort of a reminder. It's a prompt that, there's, that there, it's more evidence that there is something very significant and powerful and real going on in your life um, that would sort of beg the question as to, well, why am I experiencing this kind of, uh, you know, confluence of questioning right now in my spirit. So then I would take the question of, well, what is getting in the way between you and God? Is there anything, is there sin in your life, you know, that is sort of barring you or causing you to like question the things that you know are true? Have you departed from some core issues in your life? So I think doubt, you know, I think we sometimes just push it out like Christians should never doubt, that's not true. But I think at other times we don't see that doubt is like God's way of saying like, hey, you know, maybe you're kind of uh, compromising in an area of your life or you're, or you're listening to the wrong voices, you know? Like we listen to the secular world around us and we can start going like, am I really real? Is this Christianity really real? So, I don't know. That's what I would say. Yeah, I was, Any thoughts there for you? Yeah, I, I like that idea of that doubt says that you're alive. Uh, I feel like if, you know, the, the fall tells us, Genesis 3 tells us that, that everything in the world is broken because sin has entered in the world. And we all know that in the temptations we face and the struggles we have. But for some reason, when we think of doubt, it seems like our faith is an area where the, the fall should not affect us. And yeah. yet, of course it does. That yeah. in the same way that you're tempted to do bad, we're tempted, our minds are tempted to be dragged away from the truth and we're helpless to that in a lot of ways beyond how we respond to it. So I'm always encouraged in uh, thinking through doubt and seasons of doubt of the man who encounters Jesus and he tells him all things are possible to those who believe. Mm-hmm. And it feels like for someone who's doubting, it's like, oh man, I don't, uh, I guess things aren't possible for me. And the man just says, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. And Jesus meets him right there and grants his request. And I'm encouraged by that because yeah. I realize that sometimes what God is doing in the midst of our doubt is asking us to bring it to him and to yeah. say, hey, I, I do believe that is the posture of my heart and I want to lean forward into the faith, but 
I need you to help me with this unbelief that's plaguing my heart or my mind or my soul. Amen. And he does. When we bring it to him, he, he navigates through it. And in terms of mighty God, we get to see that he is powerful as he steers us through those seasons of doubt and doesn't abandon us um, even when we're in that dark tunnel and we can't see the light at the end. Amen. So we've been talking about these titles, uh, Isaiah 9, 6 that this child that would be born, this son that would be given, would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we come today to this title of Jesus, our Messiah, that he's Everlasting Father. And that's an amazing truth, but right off the, right off the bat, it sort of poses some questions, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Now you read the manuscript and it's in your uh, notes there in your uh, Three Crosses app, you want to check that out a little later, but... What did you get out of that first section, Danny, as you look through it? You know, I was, th- I was thinking as I was reading through it, there are a lot of folks when we talk about God being Father who have a hard time even engaging with some of the basic questions that come up when you look at it because mm-hmm. they see the word Father and all of a sudden they start thinking, you know, yeah. oh, father, father, you know, earthly Father. Yeah. What, what quick advice do you have for folks who are having a hard time seeing through that yeah. to, to get to the text? Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah, it's amazing. The, just the name Father just evokes a ton of emotion in us. And sometimes it's really positive because we've had really good earthly fathers that have encouraged us and blessed us and given us the blessing. And others of us have not had that earthly father that has blessed us and given us a sense of self-worth and understanding. And so there's some real heartache there. And I think everybody, let's be honest, everybody has a father wound, so to speak. You know, uh, we talk about that very openly in our house. And the reason for that is because all fathers are broken. Like you said, Genesis 3, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so there's not a, a father here or anywhere that has absolutely been a perfect father. So... The first thing we have to do is we have to realize that thankfully God is not really like our earthly fathers in a sense that he is perfect. And if you're feeling today like you're kind of uh, in a, a difficult place because you hear that name father and it evokes all this negative emotion, um, I think it's, it's a beautiful opportunity for you to sort of break through your vision of what fatherhood really should look like by looking at the one who calls himself father. But the interesting thing that, you know, kind of tweaks me a little bit is that we know that in the Godhead there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's Christian doctrine. But then here comes Isaiah the prophet saying that this one that would be born, Jesus, would be called Everlasting Father. And so that's kind of weird right off the bat. Like, is Jesus the Son or is he the Father? (laughs) Yeah. So your child is going to be called Father, you think? What? Yeah. <laughs> How is that possible? Yeah. I'm supposed to be father. Or right. God is supposed to be father. Right. Yeah, so in Luke chapter 20, you remember once the disgruntled uh, religious leaders were asking Jesus, like, will there be marriage in heaven and all, the, all of this? And, and Jesus says, well, I've got a question for you. How could, how could uh, David call his Lord both, uh, how could David call him Lord when he was David's son, mm-hmm. thinking about the future coming Messiah. And so it's kind of a similar predicament that we're looking at here today for some of us as we think, well, you know, have we kind of missed the identity of Jesus Christ? And not to get, you know, not to drill down too far into the meticulousness of this, but there are some people that when they see that title then immediately think, well, maybe, you know, the father became the son. You know, the father became the son. And that's, that's not Christian doctrine. I think uh, it was Sabellius, uh, 2nd and 3rd century AD, that proposed this idea that uh, over time, God just sort of morphed into different uh, characters. So 
you've got, first of all, God in creation. He's Father in creation. And then you've got God the Son in redemption. And then you've got God the, God the Spirit in regeneration. So like God sort of morphs into these different modes. He stops being the Father at some point, becomes the Son, and then he stops becoming the Son, becomes the Spirit. And that's, you know, that seems to make logical sense, but it's not biblical sense. It's not Christian doctrine. So we believe that there is one God who manifests himself all at the same time as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we've still got this problem, though, that the Son is called Everlasting Father. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've got to talk about today. We've got to talk about it. We've got to figure it out. We've got to solve these. Uh, <laughs> you guys understand the Trinity, right? We don't need to get into that. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, so easy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just like this is basic <laughs> Christian doctrine, yeah. Yeah. You know, and by the way, don't be afraid when you come upon, upon doctrines in our faith that are difficult to explain. You see, what people oftentimes do, if you can't humanly explain it, you change it so that you can humanly explain it. <laughs> that was the, one of my biggest takeaways from seminary was we learned about all the heresies related to the Trinity, and I realized, like, there's no, there's no, you know, God is not like an egg where there's a shell, a white, and a yolk. But all of those illustrations help us to see the name of a heresy. You know, somebody trying yeah. to understand it by saying, oh, you know, uh, you know modalism or Sabellianism is this idea that God is he's kind of like water. Like he used to exist as ice and then he melted and became regular water and then at the spirit he turned into gas, right? And it's all water. It's like, nope, that's a heresy, right? So <laughs> any illustration that you can think of to describe the Trinity to your children, you're actually describing one of the heresies to your children. Uh, and yeah. so really the best that we could do is kind of use these illustrations as kind of the different facets of the diamond to see yeah. how God is all of these things simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. And yet when we look at Isaiah and we hear that Jesus is everlasting father, I don't think that they're making a theological claim about the nature of the Trinity. Right. It sounds like it's more talking about the kind of like that idea of David calling him Lord, just the, the supremacy of this yeah. one who'd be born. I know he's a child, so he should be submissive to his parents, but he himself will be in that father role of, yeah. of authority. There's this idea of deity, like the mighty God, God himself. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, Jesus kind of equated himself with the father, but, mm-hmm. but never said, I am the father. He would say, the father and I are one. He would say, I do nothing but what I see the father doing. Mm-hmm. He would say, uh, the father is always working and I too am at work. And so people started thinking that he's equating himself with the father, but he never, he never equated. People never even said, you say you are the father. It was Jesus is putting himself in this place where he's at the same level, doing the same things, being one with but not identical to. So we kind of get the picture of the Trinity even as we understand Jesus describing the Mm -hmm. fatherhoodness of himself and how he connects with that. That's so insightful. In fact, I think really what all these titles are showing us we, we, we just forget that the titles are meant for us. Mm-hmm. They give us a better understanding of who Jesus is. They don't define Jesus' relationship to God the Father. It defines Jesus' relationship to us. Mm-hmm. And so he's our wonderful counselor. He's our mighty God. And he's our everlasting Father. And like you pointed out so beautifully, whenever you use that name, Everlasting Father, you're actually declaring incredibly powerful truth. You're talking about the equality of the Son to the Father. That's amazing truth. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the fact that the Son uh, reveals the Father. You know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he told Philip, and so so forth. So it's, yeah, we're actually saying something very powerful when we call Jesus our everlasting Father. And I think that, do, that does kind of help us cut through the, the angst that a lot of us have with earthly fathers. Yeah. Because I think what we can learn from that fact that we have this angst, some of us, is 
that we do have this desire in our heart to connect with an amazing, gracious, loving, providing father or father figure. And so when we read things like this in the text and we follow the Lord, we realize God has not... God doesn't promise any of us or all of us. None of us have perfect earthly fathers, and yet that desire we have is actually supposed to be seen through our earthly father towards our heavenly father to find fulfillment of that in in him. And as we hear about Jesus stepping into that role, we hear that Jesus is the one who can provide for our needs and who can be that father figure for us. So I loved how you turned that, in that manuscript, kind of turned towards, okay, what does it actually mean to experience Jesus as Father, not as the Father in the Godhead, but in that role yeah. in our lives. Yeah. And you had two things. One, that there's this idea that Jesus is our spiritual source, like he, yeah. he's the beginning of he our faith. He brings us to the Father. He brings us to the Father. Yeah. Um, and then two, that he acts like an amazing Father. Mm-hmm. So I love to spend some time kind of hitting yeah. those two things you this bet. morning. So yeah. tell me that, that first one, when you're saying that the source, what is yeah. that? Yeah, so when you think of the word father, the father, of course, that's progeny, right? I mean, everything comes, there's a source. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, you know, the Bible reminds us, you know, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And, you know, everybody here, this is, a rea- this is amazing. I think about it. Everybody here has either been born again by the Spirit of God. You are in, you are in Christ because he brought you to the Father. He brought you to his heavenly home through faith. You've come to that place of trusting in Christ. But there may be somebody here that hasn't. So you're either in one of those two camps. You've either been born again by the Spirit of the Lord who invites you to come. And this is one of the roles of the Father. The fathers have kids, you know? And I love the fact the Bible says, and someone's reminded us, God doesn't have grandkids, you know? He has kids. We, we must be born again. We're not born again because we have parents who are born again or because we've got, you know, grandparents or people in, the, in our family line. We have to individually come. Mm-hmm. And so this beautiful picture this morning for all of us should start right off with, and we'll have an opportunity for anyone today, like we always do, to trust in Christ, to let Jesus actually bring you to the Father. Remember John 14, 6, Jesus said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through what? Me. Yeah, through me, Jesus said. So we've got to come through Jesus. So that's, to me, amazing. And that's where it really starts. Have you had an experience with the living God through faith in Jesus Christ? Yeah. And I love that you brought up that Nicodemus passage in John 3 because... Nicodemus is as confused as we are a lot of times where Jesus says, hey, you must be. he's a religious guy. Yeah, and and still Jesus says you must be born again. And his mind goes backwards and thinks like, wait, I got to do it over again? I got to, you know, and he brings that mother's womb thing in. It gets all weird. Uh, And... And Jesus reveals, no, I'm, not, I'm not talking about going back and doing it all over again. When I say born again, I mean born uh, again. Like you've already been born. Right. You know, not all of us have been born again. But the cool thing is every single person in this room has been born. Let's right? hope so. We've all experienced yeah. that at some point, And luckily we've forgotten about that. Your mother has not. <laughs> and yet what Jesus is advocating is that if we are truly going to understand the things of God, because that's where Nicodemus starts, is Jesus, we know that you are from God because no one could do the miraculous things that you were doing unless God is with him. And mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't challenge his identity. He challenges Nicodemus right. saying, we know. He says, yeah. you, you can't see the yeah. kingdom of God unless you're born again a second time. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not you to be born again in a physical way, but there's this spiritual birth where the spirit, like the wind, blows through and changes you, transforms you. And you don't know where it's coming. You don't know where it's going. But that's what it's like for anyone born in the spirit. That's what he's talking about is that yeah. you've been given life by God, but, but through the 
medium in a sense of your physical parents. And yet what you need in your life is to have an experience with the living God who breathes in the same way as you get physical birth at your birth, breathe spiritual birth and make you alive for the first time spiritually mm. through encountering Jesus and believing in his death and resurrection. Amen. And that's, that's what he calls us into. So if you are here and you've been born physically, congratulations, but you're just the same as all of us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the question to wrestle with for all of us is, have I been born spiritually? Have, have I had this encounter with God where he has made me alive in Christ and awakened me uh, by the spirit? How do you know if you've yeah. been Born that's a great again. question. I was just going to ask you that. That's, that's why I'd rather turn the tables real quick. <laughs> I saw you were going to go there. <laughs> well, it is a good thing. You know, 2 Corinthians uh, 13.5 says we should test ourselves, examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. And so sometimes we kind of blindly go through life just assuming because we're religious, because we've gone to church, because Christmas and Easter, you know, we sort of bring the antenna up a little bit and we tune into spiritual things. But, you know, the Bible talks a lot. I think 1 John, in fact, you're going to be teaching yeah. through 1 John. Yeah, eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. A beautiful series. I can't wait to be listening online to that. But, uh, you know, First uh, John gives us a lot. It says, you know, do you love God? Do you keep his commandments? And do you love your brother, mm-hmm. you know, your, or your sister? Do you love people and do you keep God's commands? Those are really great ways of sort of subjectively looking like, is there new life in me? Um, and that's not perfection. That's not saying I always keep God's commands and that I always love others, but that, that that's the tone of my life. That's what you should see. If you cross-section my life, you should see a person who's seeking to obey the plan of God mm-hmm. for my life and also to love others as mm-hmm. God has commanded me. So I think those two things are very simple. Mm-hmm. Obey God and, and love others. Yeah. And if that's not happening in our lives, you know, there's other ancillary things. Like you have a hunger for the word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, the word, James 1 says, it brings us life. Uh, and First Peter 2, you know, uh, as newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word. So, like, if you have no desire to read God's word, there's never a sense in your heart about, like, I want to hear from God, then I would say, wow, you know, like, maybe you've cooled off or maybe you've kind of gotten away callous in your heart. Sometimes we need a renewal that way. I don't want to be, you know, judgmental on this point, but somewhere in your life as a believer, if you're not hungering after the word of God, I don't know if you've been brought into life with God because mm-hmm. that's, that's what brought us life in the first place. It ignites our hearts. So. That's the same way pain tells us we're alive. Yeah. If you're not hungry for like two or three weeks, yeah. you might be dead. You may not be dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You just might be dead. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's good. I don't think the dead thing is good. I think what the, that idea of evaluating ourselves, like you're yeah. saying, and John writes First John, I write these things that you might know that you have eternal life. Yeah. And yet a lot of us, we, when we doubt, like, am I really a believer? What we tend to do is we look back to the moment we believed. We said, no, I prayed that prayer. I walked that aisle. I raised my hand. I grabbed that packet, whatever it is, so I'm saved. And I think that's a great indication that God is working in your life in that moment, and that might be the moment that you believed and were converted. And yet, when the authors of Scripture tell us to examine ourselves, they don't say, look back, did you pray a prayer? They say, let's examine the fruit in your life, and if the Spirit has truly made you alive, then you should be growing. And you're growing in this area of, do you believe in the real Jesus? Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you, are you walking in the light, as John said? Are you avoiding sin? Are you hungering for the truth and walking in it? And when we see those things starting to emerge in our lives, a lot of times we're thinking, How, where did this come from? Right. And we think, oh, that's the evidence that, right. that something is alive in me that was dead before yeah. because my spirit is starting to desire things that are not natural but yeah. supernatural. That we didn't like before. No. You know, it's like God turns everything upside down. We start loving the things we hated 
and we start hating the things we loved. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what God does. And it is all under his grace because we don't manufacture that. That's what God does. So Mm -hmm. this amazing miracle of grace that brings us into life by nothing we could do, simply by trust and believing in Christ, Mm -hmm. but then also that grace working in our lives to actually cause us to hunger for the things Mm -hmm. of righteousness. So, yeah, that's that's an off. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome truth. So Jesus is everlasting father in the sense that he is the father of our faith. He is the, yeah. like the author of Hebrews says, the, the author, author and perfecter, and perfecter of our faith. Beautiful. He's also our everlasting father. And the second last thing that you brought up in that manuscript that you can read is because he provides for us in all of the ways that a father is supposed to do. Yeah. Um, what are some of those different things that you noticed as you thought through the texts yeah. of... Yeah, it's um, really the umbrella of love. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, the provision comes out of the love. But, uh, you know, I think sometimes we forget that really what we have in Christ is, as seeing him as our, our uh, everlasting father, is that he's the lover of our souls. He's the lover of our souls. He loves us with an infinite, infinite kind of love. And I think... Most of us, you know, realize how, uh, how desperate we are for that kind of love. And, that, you know, you look around in the world, everyone that's chasing after something, you know, I, I don't remember what, uh, you know, one of the Puritans said, you know, everyone that's chasing after, even the most heinous sin that you think will give you satisfaction, what you don't know is you're actually chasing after the infinite love that God has for you. And you've chosen the wrong thing because you think that's what's going to do it for you. But you're actually pursuing the love that God has for you. And so when you think about Jesus, this is the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he loves us this way. And, you know, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, Romans 8. You know, and, and there's just something so beautiful about that that I think at the Christmas season, it's just good to camp out for just a minute about how much Jesus loves you by providing for you, by carrying you, you know, by uh, attending to your needs, by drawing close when you're kind of feeling like you're, you know, you don't have anything to give. And, and you know, I th- you know we're, so, we're so tactical. I, you know, this is very unscripted. We didn't talk anything about how, where we were going this morning in this message. Just but, trying to stump you. That's my whole goal <laughs> But, you know, honestly, it's like, don't you just relish the fact that Jesus loves you that deeply. And, and yet, like me, don't you often forget that as you go through a day or when you're letting life kind of beat you up? And I think it's just good to sit and stop for a minute and just say, thank you, Lord, for loving me. You know, this is his love. Everlasting Father is a portrait of the love God has for you because fathers should, earthly, not all earthly fathers do, but fathers should love with a deep, deep love as mothers do as well but there's something you know I remember my dad as a kid and I had a really really wonderful father and he wasn't perfect there were times where he just drove me crazy and I'm sure there were a couple times I drove him crazy too (laughs) but trumpet practice is that what it was oh yeah yeah trumpet for sure but (laughs) lots of other goofy things but you know I can remember as a little boy you know falling off my bike or something and just that pain you know when your head hits the ground or you're your knees are scraped up and you're just, you're like in that moment of just raging pain. I can remember my dad, you know, seeing something like that happen and running up to me and just scooping me up and just like holding me tight until I felt that pain kind of starting to go away. And I, that's the way I picture the love that God has for me through Jesus. I feel that 
so often, sometimes driving in my car or just shouting out to God or being alone in my you know, time with the Lord or something. I don't know where it is for you, but where you are overwhelmed with the love that Jesus has for you. And it, it just is so beautiful. It's like, where do you, why would you ever want to run away from that? I think that's that idea of seeing God's love through the lens of what you've experienced with your father kind of gives light to that thing we started by talking about, that that is the function that fathers, good fathers bring into the world as we give our kids a picture of what God is like when we do it right. Yeah. Um, and yet that is the pain for people who don't have a father who is present or good yeah. is... They have less of those hooks they can kind of hang experience yep. of God with. And instead, they might picture God in the wrong light because they're picturing God through the lens of their, yeah. uh, of their earthly father. Yep. And you know, I love how you describe Jesus as the lover of our soul. Because I think yeah. when I think of the types of fathers out there, you know, there are the types of fathers who just want to keep their kids alive. You know, like, I gave you a roof over your head. I gave you food. What do you want more than that? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the lover of your body or <laughs> like physical body like as an entity. Um, and there's the idea of, you know, fathers who want to invest in you and get you success in this world, and that's great. That's kind of step two. But then that idea of, you know, the soul doesn't just mean the spiritual part of us, but the yeah. soul is kind of like we are souls. That's what we are. Like they're yeah. on a ship. There are 99 souls on board. Uh, Jesus loves us holistically. Our, yeah. our mind, our selves, our soul, our spirit, all that uh, is loved by Jesus. And so for us as human fathers or human mothers even, our, our goal is to love Every aspect of our children, including their, their spiritual life and their physical life and their drive and the stewardship of their gifts and all of that. Um, so in a sense, it's, it's not merely we see God through the lens of our father, but, but we experience fatherhood. Like we act as fathers by learning from our heavenly father and we can treat our kids what we've seen from above, Amen. from the Lord. You know, when I was watching that Shepherd's Gate video this morning, it struck me, these women that have been, you know, through really, really difficult times. And I, I don't know what happened in their earthly fathers, but the reality is, when you come to God through faith in Jesus Christ, you, experience, you can experience a love that is palpable and real. And I think those women that were communicating their stories were talking about how real that love was, how powerful that love is. And so when people tell me, well, I had a terrible earthly father, to me, in a sense, I think, in one way, and don't hear me saying that that doesn't matter, but in, in the biggest way, it really doesn't dictate what you're gonna, what you can possibly experience with God because he breaks through all that. He breaks the chain of abuse. He breaks the chain of, of neglect. He breaks all that because he loves us that way. A parent, a true parent will never stop loving their kids no matter what. And this is God. In your worst moment, Jesus still loves you the same. I mean, that's so incredible. When you have failed, when I have failed the Lord, when I have gotten into my flesh or just you know, run from what I know God wanted me to do, I still can believe and know the love of God. And I can feel that and experience that. And I just, I feel sorry for people that just never do because they don't just place their faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. We've got one minute left. Okay. We gave the folks a word every week. We said, uh, listen yeah. the first week, obey the second Trust. week. Trust. Yeah. Trust. Obey. There's no other Trust, way. Trust, obey. Yeah. There's no other way. <laughs> to be yeah. happy in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, so what's the, uh, now we have 55 seconds left. Yeah. What is the third, what's the, what's the challenge this yeah, week? Yeah, okay. So I thought about this and I thought here's the challenge for all of us and for me this week. It's to receive. It's to receive his love. And that's where it starts. And you're going to do that multiple times this week where you feel down, where you feel pressed and you're going to just jump into your flesh or try to figure out the issue. Why don't you just stop and receive Jesus' love for you in that moment? 
and just welcome it and see what God wants to do in your heart about that. So yeah, let's, let's receive. In fact, I think right now, let's, Danny, would you just lead anyone yeah, right now that absolutely. needs to trust in Christ and uh, close this time off in prayer? Why don't yeah, you do let's that? Go, let's pray together. Yeah.